I'm a big reader. I uh, am not good at making split decisions. I'm very good on mic, <laughs> doing a bunch of different takes, but in my real life, real life, not performing, I am a researcher. I, I like to have all of my pieces in front of me and then choose a, what I need. No rain. Guys, welcome to the Narain Agarwal show. Today is going to be an exciting episode and someone I'm going to learn a lot from. Here's the reason why. We got a professional voiceover artist based out of Chicago, Illinois with us. Bethany Arrington has a BFA, a Bachelor in Fine Arts in Theater Performance from University of Chicago in Illinois. And she has also had a history in acting and theater performance and now has turned into a professional voiceover artist. Welcome to the show, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you for Bethany, having me. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to discover communication, voiceover acting, and your journey um, in today's um, podcast that we have. So quickly getting into it, what is voiceover acting and voiceover artistry? What is it? So this is a good question. Um, basically, it's just acting on a microphone. It's nothing very exciting. But um, voice acting has a lot of different subsections. So a lot of people know voice acting. There are people that just do video games or just do animation. That's kind of what when you think, oh my gosh, voice actors, you're thinking of the people that do the cartoons that you know and love or the RPG, you know, role play uh, video games that you that you play. But actually, there's a whole nother side. There's also the commercial side. So the people that you hear on the radio or hear at the very end of a commercial, kind of that tagline, you know, McDonald's, I'm loving it. That kind of, you know, those little tags, those are voiceover actors. Um, and then you also have a like a whole other avenue of corporate explainer videos, whiteboard explainer videos, how-to videos. When you go online and you don't know how to use your vacuum and you go to the vacuum site, you know, you go to like Dyson, they, and there's a little anim, you know, the animatics and stuff. And they're like, this is how you plug in your Dyson vacuum. That's a voiceover actor. And then there's also e-learning. Um, there's like so many different things not just commercial and animation and yeah and yeah wow games. especially with the kind of the way industry is b becoming and the kind of there's the amount of content coming out i can only mm -hmm. imagine voiceover acting becoming a thing uh, bigger and bigger with animations and animated movies and not even movies commercials and everybody putting social media posts out there wow that is, that is really interesting so let's let's go back into your journey of how you decided to become an actor. You went to school for um, theater performance and then you are now a voiceover actor. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you end up here? Yeah, yeah. So I started uh, acting professionally when I was 14. So my first, my first professional gig, I was a street child in an opera called Carmen with the Indianapolis Opera. I'm from Carmel, Indiana. And... Um, 
I, I did like church plays and school plays and stuff like that. But I knew from a very young age, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I want to be an actor. And I always thought I wanted to be a theater actor. I loved live theater. That's definitely like my passion. And that's that's my home uh, in a lot of ways. So I went to theater school and I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um, I studied specifically under a pretty well-known actor, Yasin Piankov. You might not know his name off the top of your head, but you would recognize him. He's the villain in Harold and Kumar's Christmas. Um, Ooh, you know, like, he, okay. yeah, yeah. And um, he's the the scary Russian guy on Madam Secretary. You guys can IMBD him. But um, I went to study specifically under him because he is an ensemble member at a very famous theater called Steppenwolf um, here in the U.S. And that theater is based in Chicago, but a lot of their productions go to Broadway. And they're kind of known as being the actor's theater. They cultivate these brilliant productions, um, but they also cultivate incredible acting prowess. Um, and so I knew I want to train in Chicago. I want to learn under this person. And I did. And he's still my mentor. <laughs> but wow. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it was a very specific journey for me. But since then, it hasn't it hasn't been at all because I came out of theater school. I actually was booking more commercial modeling gigs like for catalogs. I'm five three. I am not tall. I am not a model. But, you know, <laughs> for catalogs and like basic yeah. stuff, I'm your girl, the girl next yeah. door. <laughs> so um, I was doing more of that work and like industrial videos, like for um, companies like their in-house training stuff and some like you know, smaller commercials. And I was doing my theater work, but not getting paid that much because theater doesn't really pay very well. Mm. And so I was still, you know, I still had a day job. I was nannying part-time. Um, and That's I started- tough. You had a full-time theater job and then you had a day job, you were nannying. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, yeah. that's like to, to, to make sure you have enough to sustain and like uh, do well because theater doesn't pay so much. Yes. And it was this, wow. it was a grind. It was a grind. And I, how many hours were you working? Oh, it was like an easy 60, 70 hour week. I mean, like between hmm. and like not being paid, you know, like between the, all the prep for theater that you're not paid, you know, memorizing your lines, doing your scene work, you know, all this, all the kind of prep that goes into acting that's outside the rehearsal room. You're not paid for that. You know, you do it because you love it. You do it because it's your craft. Um, but I I was getting really, you can ask my fiance, I was getting really burnt out really fast. And I wasn't happy and I couldn't really pinpoint it. And I knew it had to do a little bit with like control. I felt like being an actor, you have very little control of your of your career because hmm. everybody's telling you, you can audition for this. You can't audition for that. You, you are getting the job. You're not getting the job. We're not telling you why, you know? And so I found myself in this position of like wanting some control. And so I started doing some research and I realized that voice acting could be a viable avenue for me. And everybody's like, well, voice acting, don't you have to have this announcer voice? It's like great, a really deep, boomy voice. You know, that's what the people <laughs> in a world, you know, everybody knows, you know, that's like the father of voiceover. Like everybody knows that sound. But what, what I was finding is actually the industry had shifted. It had shifted from the announcer to 
your friend, conversational. Hi, buy our product. Come, come, come to this place. We have this amazing service for you. It has to sound like I, I know and trust you in a lot of ways. And yeah, yeah. And with the, the, the teaching and the training stuff, it's kind of the same. It's maybe a more professional sound, but it's still relatable, you know, and, and I found myself really being drawn to that. The problem was I wasn't confident in doing it full time. I was still clinging on to my day job. I was nannying less, but I was still clinging to it. And then the pandemic happened. Wow. Yeah. And I like I I had, you know, kind of told you prior to being being on with you, the pandemic happened and it's forced everyone to do things differently. To maneuver. Yeah. The the process of change and you got to you got to find out a new way. Yeah. And so I spent a week in bed (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) of the pandemic um, because it was like. I had just had three television auditions for for big shows, for big shows. And I was like, this is it. Like this, I'm about to like have my first network, you know, like debut. I was so excited. And then it was like, oh, never mind. You know, like, you know, I I had just auditioned actually for Fargo, believe it or not, and was like, I'm going to be on Netflix. I was like, this is it. You know, like this is, it's happening. I'm finally like going to get this bigger, you know, these bigger jobs and, and reach a wider audience. And then it was like, Oh, pandemic happened. Never mind. Everything's on hold. They're finishing the season without, you know, without these extra characters, you know, or um, they're not having guest stars on for kind of, you know, Chicago PD, Fire and Med are big shows here. Um, obviously, they film in Chicago. You know, they're the police dramas and stuff like that. But it was like, okay, all that's on hold. I had two productions that I had already, the theater productions that I had booked and was ready to do. Because like as a theater actor, you kind of build out your season. You go, okay, I'm in this show in the fall and this show in the spring and this show in the summer kind of thing. Really got to plan your whole year ahead, yeah. You do, you really do because you, we don't need to get into like all the specifics, but there are audition seasons. So like there's pilot season in January and like in Chicago, a lot of the theater auditions are in the fall and that will go for the rest of the year or at the very end of the summer and you kind of audition and, and rotate. But I had my year planned out. I was ready. Um, I also was supposed to get married this year. So I had, you know, worked these gigs around this, you know, huge event. That's my wedding. (laughs) And then it was like, nope, like, nope, not all. I mean, I wasn't fired from any of my theater gigs, but they're like, we are on a hold. And I was like, okay. And my nannying gig, they're like, we can't have you in our house you know what I mean like we everything yeah. is to quarantine. oh my god that's a sudden stop of everything that you were doing it was it was everything I was I was genuinely like I I don't know what to do and I was grieving along with the rest of the world this like terrible thing but also yeah. selfishly I was like what is happening to my career it's slowly grinding to a halt <laughs> Uh, and I'm working so hard and I'm so tired and I just want to be good at acting you know like it was just (laughs) it was it was the perfect storm but it was perfect in a lot of ways Uh, because 
it forced me to take a look at what was right. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over, over and over and expecting different results. And I had doing the same things, grinding, 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 working this day job because I thought I had to, because I wasn't confident that I could make ends meet with my acting. And I was like, oh, you don't have any of that. What are you going to do? And I had my microphone. I had, I had my laptop. I had researched voiceover. I'd even done some auditions. But then it was like, Bethany, this is the time. This is the time when you put all your energy into it because one, you don't have a choice. There's nothing else for you to do. Um, and two, you, you deserve, you, you owe yourself this kind of success. And it took a long time for me to kind of come to terms with that. And, you know, thank goodness, again, right, having the right people in your life. My parents are so supportive of me being an artist. And my fiance is this amazing human that just, I think he might be my biggest fan. My mom would be horrified hearing that. But he, he is my biggest fan. So he was like, let's do this. And so we have an extra closet. And by the way, for anybody getting into voiceovers, uh, voiceover work, closets are the best place to record in your home. <laughs> keep the clothes in they absorb the sound but i i basically converted our extra our extra closet you can see i have my my foam and stuff up i have a desk in here and i got to work and it yeah i mean it's it's like sounds so simple no there was like a gajillion steps but <laughs> you know i got to work and it's working i'm making wow. more money than i have <laughs> You're and making more money than you ever have. Yes. Being associated with a professional theater, doing your day job. Okay. And, and what about your level of happiness? Like, what is that like? I mean, working for yourself is awesome, right? Like being an entrepreneur yeah. is awesome. I, you know, I love, I love for me, I love waking up. I do my little yoga. I drink my tea and then I maybe put on different pants, but sometimes I just stay in my yoga gear and I come into my studio and it's, and it's nice and self-contained, you know, during this pandemic, I, this is a luxury. I know this is a privilege that I can just, you know, move into my little closet and not leave my house. So, um, yeah, it's been great. It's been really, really great. And I'm lucky. Oh, it's, it's, it's such a cool life lesson too. You know, sometimes like, um, I was reading this quote one time that it's, it's, sometimes it's great that our plans don't work out so that there's yes. other plans uh, that might be better that work out for us. And, and in some way, like, you know, uh, the story sounds like you had a plan of going uh, into the, um, being on Netflix, etc. but then it didn't work out. And in the end, you're so much happier and you're making more money. Um, in what you're doing and happiness I think that's even the bigger key right because money you would probably make today or tomorrow that would come but um, happiness um, it, it shows on your face you know you've been smiling while you've been talking about this journey and maybe at the time it was tough but wow that is an awesome story thanks Bethany um, it's, it's it's very tough you know when when you're faced with such a situation to be resourceful because um we think that we, there's nothing that can be done and um, you, you've come to this halt and what can you do, right? But it's like you could go to the lab and reinvent what you want, what you want to do and then doing it 
and being resourceful, right? You didn't have anything. Um, so you, you made a studio out of a closet. You started marketing yourself on the internet. And before we got on air, you showed that how you, instead of a windscreen, you had a sock on your mic. Um, so that, you know, that, that makes the sound better. How was that possible? Like, what are the things that helped you in going through that process? Because I think there's so much value all of us can gain out of that. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, I'm a big reader. I uh, am not good at making split decisions. I'm very good on mic <laughs> doing a bunch of different takes, but in my real life, real life, not performing i am a researcher i i like to have all of my pieces in front of me and then choose a, what i need in this process for me it was a lot of basic google for a while it was figuring out what was going to work for me and i think we all no matter what business you're in i don't want to say everyone but personalities like myself really want someone to be like, this is how you do it. And it'll be perfect if you do it this way. There is no one size fits all, right? We're all in, all individuals, all unique. And we all have different processes, whether you're in marketing or voiceover or working a desk job, right? To do your best is going, it's going to look different than what Joe over there is doing. So for me, it was researching and then coming to terms with the fact that I am going to have to take what works for me and leave what doesn't. And another big thing for me was finding someone I respected and their process seemed like it might work for me closely enough or I, I at least know what they're doing is working. And so I'm going to try to copy what I can make it easier, yeah. right? Don't reinvent the wheel. Right. So I actually, I do have a voiceover coach. His name is David H. Lawrence, the 17th. He's out in LA. Um, people might know him. He was the scary villain on Heroes, that television show. Um, he's been, uh, again, IMBD him. He's like really cool. And you would recognize his voice. His voice is very amazing. It's just a really amazing voice. But he is a teacher. He is not just a talent. He is a teacher. He loves the technology behind voiceover too. So he can, he can work the tech with you and kind of help you figure that out. And a big thing for me was following him on all his social media, you know, reading his blog, gleaning as much as I could. And then frankly, when I was ready, coughing up a little money and studying under him, <laughs> taking what I was making and reinvesting in myself. And that was a huge step for me. That's really... That's really hard to do, I think, sometimes. <laughs> that is amazing. So you figured out the pieces of the puzzles, and then you found a coach, you found a mentor. And uh, um, that, that, is, that is amazing that you say that. We oftentimes think that we can do it all by ourselves. Uh, but yes. there is also uh, so much time you could save, save. You know, you could save weeks by investing in somebody and learning from somebody who's done it. I really see the value in that. Wow. Voiceover acting. So what are some things that you have to do to take care of your voice? Like, huh. can you party? Can you drink alcohol? What, what are some things? Because I know tea testers can't drink alcohol and stuff. So what are some technicalities that you have to take care of um, to make sure you can do your job well? Yeah. So the, the big thing, yes, I do 
one of the hardest things transitioning for me was actually drinking less alcohol. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> Theater people love to party. Um, and I love to party. <laughs> not as much anymore. But no, for me, again, everybody's voice is different. I when I was in theater school, I had voice class twice a week, if not three times a week for four years. So I learned my instrument very well. I'm also a trained singer. So I have that background too. I use my voice well, um, but that doesn't, overuse is overuse, right? So the big thing is remaining hydrated, hydrate all the time. I'm constantly drinking water. I'm constantly having to pee, but it's, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yes, do it. Uh, so hydrating, I love throat coat, which is a type of tea. Yeah, it's called throat coat. And I don't really know what's in it, but it's very soothing. I'm sure you can just drink lemon tea and it'll be fine, but I really like it. Um, and then everybody, everybody talks about mouth noise on mic. So, um, those noises, you know. Ooh. even just swallowing your mic will sometimes pick up that noise you know yeah. so mouth noise is hard because right when you're speaking your saliva glands are trying to moisten everything so you can move your tongue um so you can articulate better the problem with that <laughs> is when you're on mic you'll hear like those noises sometimes oh. and everybody has different tricks for that um a lot of actors voice actors swear by green apples they'll eat a green apple right before specifically a green one right before they get on mic i don't know the science behind this by the way <laughs> right before they get on mic, you eat a green apple and then you're you don't have as much mouth noise um for me actually it if i'm hearing a lot of that noise it's telling me that i'm salivating a lot either i haven't hydrated well enough so take a drink of water take a break and sometimes it's just from fatigue and i know that okay i need to take a break stand up walk around get a you know regroup my voice is i have pretty bad allergies so you'll hear i have like a natural kind of rasp that's just part of my voice it gets deeper the later it gets um, with more use. So my voice is freshest in the morning. A lot of people say, say like, yep, record your, your big pieces in the morning. But I know plenty of people who are like, that's not the case. I need at least an hour to warm up my voice. I have to do this, that, the other. Okay. Mm. Um, so for me, if I want to sound more gravelly later at night, I'll record to get kind of that horse, more horse sound. Mm. Um, but yeah, hydrating, knowing your instrument, which takes time, Drinking tea and yeah, limiting my alcohol. So I can't, wine makes me, it's like very intimate, but it, I guess it's cool to know, but wine makes me really mucusy the next morning. Mm, I'll mm, like mm. feel it kind of, right, I'm pretty right. sure it's the, the tannins, um, right. hard, hard alcohol is okay. But again, you can't overindulge because hard alcohol in general dehydrates your body so then you're having to work against it to rehydrate the next morning you know and when you get on mic that's not very good so yeah wow um that is that is something that an average person wouldn't think of right because but as a voiceover actor you have to really think about these things like mouth noise i've, I've never even heard of that you know <laughs> like, yeah it's awesome you know <laughs> or like uh ensuring to be hydrated 
these are some really cool um, insider things that I got to learn. <laughs> so, so Bethany, when doing voiceover acting, right? You get a project, um, and this might be a general question, but different tonalities, different emotions uh, inspire different reactions. So, what are some uh, you know thought patterns or, or frameworks that you have in mind? You know that hey, this type of voice will help with this kind of emotion. This type of voice will help with this kind of emotion. Uh, there must be a kind of framework that you uh, work out of. And I'd be curious to learn a little more about uh, what that mental process is. Yeah. So, right, we have all different kinds of voiceovers that we do, that you can do in, in being a voice actor. Most of my auditions are for commercial work. With that being said, I think I touched on this earlier, right? We've moved away from that big announcery voice to just being conversational. So for me, I always start from a neutral place. What a neutral place is, is my regular speaking voice. This is my regular speaking voice. I might be articulating a little bit more because we're on a podcast. Um, but then again, I'm talking to somebody I like. So maybe it sounds a little casual. <laughs> uh, someone who's a friend. So it sounds a little more casual. I have a tendency to start from my neutral place, which is more casual. I'm just talking to a friend. And actually, my voice coach and I uh, have talked about this. Picturing who you're talking to. This audience of one. It is not, I'm talking to everyone that's ever going to hear this commercial. It's, I am, let's say, for example, like a cleaning solution. I do a lot of voice spots for cleaning stuff. I am picturing that mom at home, frustrated in her kitchen. Sometimes I even like picture the full outfit, what she looks like. But I am talking to this one person how would I talk to them not as like through the speaker you know the coming out of her phone or radio like if I creepily was in her kitchen while she's frustrated <laughs> but if like how would I speak to her and how would I try to connect because and I'm sure you know this as an entrepreneur sales is actually about connecting with who you're trying to sell to it's sales is not take this product. It'll make your life better. Yeah, sales is, is I want to fix your problem. Help me fix your problem. Tell me what it is. And I will, I will find the solution. I actually already have the solution because I have this product or this service. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and so I, I think of it like that. And I try not to think about selling as much as connecting to that audience of one. So that's my basic framework. Right. And then moving from there, when you get a piece of copy and copy is just the term for the text of whatever the commercial is or or really i mean this actually goes into everything because like even with my explainer videos like explaining how something works i just did a explainer video for a new piece of software that is basically virtual reality for surgeons for people learning to be surgeons and it's a vr piece of software yeah yeah really cool right yeah. And even with even with that, I'm explaining how this, you know, this virtual reality thing works. I am still at the same time. Who is my audience? This one person I really want to tell about this, this professor who's going, how am I going to teach 
wannabe doctors to be surgeons during a pandemic. We can't just like pop into the surgery room right now. Oh my gosh, here's this virtual reality tool that can totally help. And it comes with masks, you know, whatever it is. So that is, that is what I do. I try to connect with the, the person. I stay in this neutral spot. But then usually in the copy, sorry, moving back in the copy, there will be like some descriptive words sometimes to be like sassy mom or woman 30s. Okay, thank you. I, it, I don't look at them very closely if I'm totally honest with you. Actually, again, my voice coach David and I have talked about how they might, the people that write the copy might have an idea of what they want nine times out of 10. They don't actually <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. They think they have an idea of what they think it should be. But when I come to the table, it's going to be Bethany. It's going to be Bethany. And either they're going to buy into that or they're not. And that's okay. That's not about me. It's more about them than it's about me. Um, and so I will sometimes if I see like, oh, sassy, that maybe gives me a clue like, a little more personality here you know I might put that gravel on a little bit it's not just the mom cleaning in her kitchen and needing help it's it's now that mom who's frustrated you know and and so you even just those little changes um can kind of round out make something a little bit fuller um another trick that's very basic and a, a lot of people a lot of people in the industry know this but for your listeners who are not in the industry is saying everything with a smile. When you smile, you actually lift your soft palate, the top of your mouth. So it goes, it, you know, it stays neutral. And when you smile, it's like, ooh. And so what happens is you actually create a different mouth shape and it brightens your sound. I mean, think about it when you say, hey, and when you say, hey, that's not just tone. It's, it's truly your mouth changing. So for me, I do a lot of copy with a smile because who doesn't love smiling? Who doesn't want to? It makes you naturally more friendly. Exactly. And you can connect better with whoever's listening too. Uh, mm -hmm. Because they imagine that the person speaking to them is smiling. That is, that is amazing. I, I've never even thought about speaking to one person. I've never thought that because I think most people, when they think about recording something, they think millions and thousands and hundreds of people are going to hear this and see this. But uh, what you said is so powerful. When you think about that one person, that one person that is the ideal person that this message is made for. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that is really utilizing the power of visualization. When you said you, you think of their clothes, that is really utilizing the power of visualization um, in real life to get something done and be effective at it. I mean, no, no wonder you're doing so well. Uh, these, these strategies <laughs> sound awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. To, to transition into a, a place where you do not have a fixed paycheck every month. Is that stressful? Mm -hmm. um, because that's a whole different mindset, you know, when you speak about being um, self-employed or being an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. That is the biggest shift, you know, the, the mental uh, framework shift. Um, so what is that journey like? And um, how do you keep yourself motivated when uh, maybe you don't have as many projects um, Mm -hmm. How do you think of that? So I have had to do a lot of work in this area. Um, everybody has a very unique and specific relationship with money. 
it goes back to how we were raised, maybe the different things we've experienced in our life, um, and our experience in receiving a paycheck. People who hate their job and get a paycheck have a very different relationship with money than people who love their job and get a paycheck, right? We have these emotional reactions. Money isn't actually, money is, is truly just a concept, right? We got tired of bartering. We got tired of bringing sheep everywhere. So we're like, listen, better idea, paper or coins, get it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't need to bring my sheep, you know, don't need to sell my daughter kind of stuff. You know? Um, let's, let's stop taking sheep everywhere. Here's your money. Um, I don't know why I chose sheep. Anyway, anyways, so money is actually this concept and we as humans give it the power that it has. Cause in reality, it is just a bartering tool for goods and services. So I had to read a lot about this because I am a very anxious person naturally. So not having, and one of the reasons I clung to my day job was the consistent paycheck. I was like, if I don't have that, I won't eat. You know, I was positive. I won't make rent. There have been times when I've been like, how am I going to make rent? So I started getting really, really attached to the consistent paycheck. The problem is, listen, I loved nannying. I had a really awesome family in the end, like right before this. I love them. I'm still in contact with them. I had an awesome situation, but it wasn't doing what I'm most passionate about. So it truly was just a job. I still loved them. I still loved those kids. I loved the family, but I didn't love them the way I love my art. I love my art in a different way. It's, it's real up there close to the fiance, you know? Um, and so I got really attached to this consistent paycheck and the moment the pandemic happened, right? Everything's in upheaval. Nobody's making money in reality, you know? Um, it made me go, okay, I can either keep sitting here and freaking out or I can do something. I'm a doer because when I freak out, I normally do things. And when I freak out, I go for a run. When I freak out, I, you know, I organize my kitchen, whatever it is. But I was like, okay, I'm going to devote myself to this and the money isn't going to come right away. I know that. I know that. But again, I give power to what that money is. I do need to eat. I do need to make rent. But I also have systems in place if, if something really bad is going to happen, um, I have been kind of on a financial journey for the past year and a half because in prepping for marriage with my fiance, Alex, we decided we need to, we needed to figure out how we were going to be on the same page about money because he has a different relationship with money than I do. And so we started having these really candid conversations about money, about what he was making, about what I was making. It was terrifying until I realized these are literally just numbers. I'm getting freaked out about a system in place that helps me get things and, and give things. That's what money is. But other than that, this is not something to be afraid of. This isn't, this isn't something to be afraid of. Take a breath. And the big shift for me happened when I read a book called You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sinero. She's a, she's like a life coach and a writer. Um, I think she's based in on the West Coast of the US. 
And she's known for, it was a New York Times bestseller for You Are a Badass. So this is like the follow-up book. And she talks about living and working from a place of abundance. This idea, and that's kind of my new word, if I'm totally honest. And I, I have totally, I've gone total woohoo on it, that I, I call it being a little woohoo. I've made it into a mantra. It's something I say. I live in a universe of abundance because I do. I, and I actually, I truly believe that we all do. Some of us face, yes, some of us face, trust me, I am a middle-class white woman. I definitely live in a place of abundance. Let's be honest. I have a lot of privilege. I live in the U.S. You know, I live in a big city. There's all sorts of things. Um, At the same time, I truly believe that each of us are living in a space right now, even amidst the pandemic, that is a place of abundance. Because I truly believe we've been given this gift, which is our lives, (laughs) and we are either going to take and give what we can, or we're going to stagnate. And I know that, again, little (laughs) woohoo-y, but moving from that place of abundance and saying, okay, I am going to make rent. I am going to pay off this, you know, whatever the credit card, whatever it is. It's not going to look like a consistent paycheck and I'm going to have to trust myself. I'm going to trust that I I work hard. I am good at what I do. These are things I have to tell myself every day. You know, I work hard. I'm good at what I do. I live in a universe of abundance. So I will make this money. I will find a way to make this money, even if it doesn't look like it. Now, when you're an entrepreneur and you start, it's so scary because you're not sure if you're good at it. You're not sure <laughs> if you're good. Hey, do you work hard? Who knows? You know, you're like, you question everything. <laughs> like, and do you live in a universe of abundance? You do. You do. <laughs> you live in this space. And so kind of shifting for that again, what, shifting into that space was the biggest change for me. And after that point, I mean, honestly, working with a coach, making smart financial decisions, not spending when I didn't need to spend, but saying, no, I'm going to put this money into the coach. I, I know what I'm doing. I do have to get up and audition every day. That doesn't stop. Um, I do send marketing emails, you know, (laughs) I have to do those things. The things that people are like, Oh, you know, no, you do those. You do those. Cause again, you live in a universe of abundance, but you got to bring that abundance to you, you know? Exactly. So, and, and to do what you love, sometimes you got to do that, things that you don't love, right? So to, to be able to have a pet dog and enjoy that experience of living with somebody, you also clean the shit, right? <laughs> you got to do things. Yeah, exactly. So do, do anything that you love. You got to do things that you don't love. And, and that's part of the game. That's part of uh, it with anything. And, and that's awesome. I totally relate to you. Um, I did a course um, recently, some months back, called Money EQ, Money Emotional Quotient. And it was talking yes. about the relationship with money. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, we focus so much in the modern world about money IQ, the information that you need to earn money, this tactic, that tactic, this system, invest in this thing, that thing, that thing. But a lot of us, we got that emotional relationship with money messed up. And... Um, and that's the reason more money, less money, we don't feel satisfied because we come out of this place of scarcity, as you said. Um, and it's never enough. Um, but when you start operating, operating out of an abundance, well, you might get more 
externally, but the biggest thing that happens is you start feeling fulfilled from within. You start having a better life experience from within. Um, and so I haven't read that book, but I totally exactly see uh, what you're saying when you say coming from abundance. Um, that's really powerful that you were able to make that shift. Um, your, your journey and your story is, is uh, really a proof of how working upon oneself is what creates different results outside. Uh, we often think that, you know, um, doing this, doing that is what creates results, but we forget that working upon ourselves creates those results. And um, it's so awesome to hear that you work upon yourself. You had a, hired a coach, you started reading this, these books, you sh started shifting the mental framework that you had and you got these results that you got. Too good. Thanks. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, Bethany, final question I have for you is being part of the industry where you're um, doing voiceover acting and acting, there's always room for constant improvement, right? Um, mm -hmm. You go out on stage, every time you come back, there's feedback. So um, how does it get challenging? Does it get tough? Because every time you're on stage, every time you're performing, there's an opportunity for feedback. It's not like you're in a sales job where after a month you get feedback, right? It's constant. It's every time. It's every day. Mm -hmm. So how do you handle that feedback? What do you make out of it? And how do you actually put it into application? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that you don't, um, you said like in a sales job, you get it every, you know, monthly. Um, it's interesting. Doing voice work, I get less feedback than... Hmm. Then, then when I'm in a theater production and I have a director in the room with me, right? I'm in kind of a vacuum. I'm, I'm by myself. Um, but when working with clients and we all have to work, whatever your job is, you've got clients. I know you do. <laughs> even if it's just your kid, you know, even if you're just taking care of your kids, they're your clients in a lot of ways. <laughs> They've got feedback. Um, the this is something I'm really passionate about because I um, was an athlete growing up and something that I naturally seem to understand is coaching. I like being coached. I like the coach and um, player relationship. And I've, I've gotten really good at um, kind of taking that and putting it into acting and putting it into my art because a lot of the artists were sensitive we take things personally because it is personal. This is our art. This is what we're doing. Um, but if you're an athlete, you know you can't take it personally because you have the game to play. You have the goal to score. You have something to do. You know. So kind of melding that, knowing that I am a sensitive person, but also I'm an athlete and I like getting feedback has really helped me take the notes and implement. So what happens when you get feedback, right? From your boss, from a client, this is something that happens less for me, but you know, I, just yesterday I had a, I had a client who asked to be on the phone during this, during my recording session. That's called a directed session. It's something I do all the time. Sometimes we do Skype. Sometimes we do Zoom. Um, I have a piece of software called Source Connect that actually I can hook up to really any studio in the world. Very cool. Um, and sometimes through Source Connect. But this client was on the phone and I would do a read and then he would have something to say. 
Okay. So when I'm hearing that, I know I'm just trying, I'm just trying to help him get to the goal of whatever this script is. Again, I keep my audience of one in mind, but they have their audience that they they're thinking about too. So it's kind of finding that middle ground, but I want to get back into like actually taking a note and what normally happens, because this is something I've trained myself not to do. So when you get feedback, right, you will have first a physical response. And sometimes it's subtle, but sometimes it's really intense. So your heart rate's going to go up because adrenaline is pumping through. Sometimes you start sweating, right? We all get sweaty palms when you're called into your boss's office, right? Or even when your friend is like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. You get that text and you're like, oh God, did I do something? You know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. (laughs) And your mind starts racing. Your mind is like thinking of all the things it could be, thinking of all the ways you could have improved, you know, especially if it's your boss. Um, And then what's also happening up here with your mind is you're moving into a space of fight, flight, or freeze, right? This is very basic. It's a survival thing, right? When we were threatened as like cave persons, these were our three responses, right? Fighting it out, getting the heck out of there or staying still. Don't move. They'll leave me alone, you know? Um, and, and actually there's a fourth one that I just learned and I really like it. It's called fawn like fawning over something. So if your response is fawn, sometimes you make jokes or you start or you start talking a lot because you're trying to get 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 out of yourself. So you're like, if I just make this a little easier to, you know, handle, that's something that's something that my fiance does. He will make jokes when he's uncomfortable and it's really annoying to me because I'm like, this is serious. And he's like, but you know, um, but that's a fawn response. Very interesting, right? Yeah. So this is a survival thing. Your brain starts doing that. Your brain also starts getting a little defensive. It'll sometimes be like, oh, we're about to, uh, we're about to get, something's about to happen. So I better protect myself. And you know what? Actually, I didn't do anything wrong, you know, or actually I have all these different options. So I don't even care what you say. You know, all these different, your brain is just like, oh my God, we're, we need to protect. We need to protect. We need to protect. So you're having these, you're having a physical reaction. You're having an emotional and mental reaction. What needs to happen is to, again, come back to that neutral space, right? I've talked about my neutral place for getting on mic. Um, In order to do that, the big thing that needs to happen is you need to breathe. You need to just take a breath. That's the first thing. Got to take a breath. It's good for you. If you're having a really strong physical reaction, sometimes... For me personally, it sounds really dumb, but I'll just shake out my extremities, like particularly my hands and my feet, getting a little blood going. Hey, I'm moving. I'm alive. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, you're set. You're actually sending those signals to your body. Like you're fine. Look, shake it out. We're good. Okay. Adrenaline dissipate. We don't need to be here. That's fine. Um, and then mentally, I think the first thing that need. Oh, I forgot like my favorite thing that happens for me when sometimes I get a note, especially if I disagree with it, my inner critic will come out 
we all have one. And she's she comes out and she's like, see, Bethany, you're really bad at this. You're not actually a good actor and you should die. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and you should go home, you know, and she is like really mean. The first thing I do after the breath, after the inner critic is out and my mind is racing. Right. I acknowledge my inner critic. Hey, girl. Not so nice to see you, but I see you've shown up. I know you're trying to help. I know you're trying to help. No, thank you. So it's acknowledgement and it's bye. Because your inner critic has no, it's not helping you. It's not helping you. We don't need her here. We don't need her here. Because again, we work hard. We're good at what we do. We live in a universe of abundance. So inner critic doesn't really have a space here. But acknowledge, you know, when you're like really sad and someone's like, don't be sad. And you're like, I feel worse. Yeah. If you ignore your <laughs> if you ignore your inner critic, she's just gonna get louder. Right. So you need to acknowledge it exactly. and then exactly so true. So true. Acknowledge it, say bye. Um, and then the next step is being mindful. And mindfulness is something that I really struggle with. And it's just about being present. And again, that's slowing down your thoughts, going <laughs> I am mindful of my body and where I'm at, but I'm also mindful that someone is trying to communicate with me, right? When we get feedback, a lot of the times we go, me, 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 me. It's all about me. My body's doing this. My brain's doing this. Actually, what needs to be happening is no, no, me, me is, me is fine. We're fine. Someone's communicating with me. I am mindful of myself, but I am mindful of them and what they're trying to give me, even if I disagree with it, because they're trying to communicate and the most basic thing we can do with other humans is give them the respect of communicating with us. Give them the respect to communicate, right? That's what we all, we all want to be heard. I think that's our greatest desire actually is to be understood. It's not to like have a lot of money or to, or even everybody's like, it's to be loved. And I'm like, well, being loved is being understood. You, you want to feel understood. I don't need my clients to love me. They just need to understand me. <laughs> I'll feel love then, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So then acknowledging. So I am mindful. I am receiving information. And then for me, it's reframing. Whatever, whatever piece I've been given, if I agree with it, great. Take it and run. If I disagree with it, hmm, all right. Now we have a little bit of a harder like process here. What can I take from it? Sometimes, sometimes there is truly nothing. And that's okay. That's okay. We just, again, we respect the communication that went on. But again, goodbye. We're good. Um, and I also try to think about what the goal is out of the conversation. So when I'm on the phone with a client, if they're saying, Bethany, it... Um, I'm just feeling like it is like muddy and, and we're not hearing all the words or, or something. And I know for a fact, I'm like, I am, I am speaking well because that's what I do for a living. What do they mean by muddy? What do they mean by muddy? Mm, maybe they actually need me to slow down. They need me to slow down because they're not hearing it. Because I have the copy in front of me. I've heard myself say this a hundred times already. I need to slow down. Okay, that's fine. Let's try it. Let's try slowing down. See what they say. Oh, Bethany, that was so much better. Okay, it wasn't muddy. I wasn't mispronouncing things. They just needed me to slow down. 
There we go. Right. That's like a really kind of basic example. And yes, it takes some like it takes some higher level thinking to like move outside that. And again, you have to acknowledge all the things that are happening and then do that. But if you practice this, even in your like interpersonal um, relationships where the stakes maybe aren't as high, you get better at doing it in professional settings and you will be noticed because your clients, your boss will, will go, wow, I gave Bethany a note. I gave Bethany this adjustment. I gave Bethany this new goal, or actually I had a really tough conversation with Bethany and look at what she's doing now. Like she took it and ran with it. This is great. Or even if, and even if maybe you don't implement it perfectly, which happens all the time for me, just the other day, I had a client, I could not say their product name. That's the most important thing. For some reason, it is the most important thing as a voice actor is saying the name right. And for some reason, I, I had been saying it wrong in my head and I just couldn't get out of myself. But they could hear that I was trying. I ended up saying, can you give me a moment? Just give me one second. I ended up getting, I put them on mute. I got up. I went outside of my office. I walked around my apartment. My fiance was like, what are you doing? I walked around my apartment and just like relaxed. Everything was like, okay. And he's like, are you okay? Are you having a stroke? No. Okay. You know, and I walked back in, got on mic, figured it out. You know, sometimes we just need a break. And they were like, oh my God, there we go. And I was like, I'm laughing to myself because I'm like, I literally just walked around my apartment. It wasn't, you know, I'm sure they thought I went and got lozenges or spray, throat spray and was like, no, just needed to take a walk, you know. Yeah. A brain break, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry, that, that was so long and convoluted, but it it is something I'm so passionate about because it it connects both what we're what's happening to us physically, what's happening to us emotionally, what's happening to us mentally. And I think that's something, again, it all has to do with mindfulness, but I think it's something that is really, really hard in our world right now because everything is so fast paced, but the pandemic has forced us to slow down. And because we're communicating more um, virtually than ever, I think it gives us an opportunity to take a break and to check in with ourselves, right? You're on the phone with your mom is a lot different than being face to face with your mom. And she says something that ticks you off. Not that I would know from experience. Um, and, and all of a sudden I can check in with myself better than I ever, you know, ever have been able to. So there's, that's wow. Wow. I love that. Taking a note. That's what you call it, right? Taking, Taking a, a note. Taking a note. Taking a yeah. note. Um, that was awesome. I think we took a lot of notes from, um, <laughs> that 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 journey of you taking a note because uh that's that's really uh value uh, valuable stuff that you just said there um the physical response the emotional response and how to respond versus react to a certain situation mm-hmm. uh, bethany this conversation has been amazing time flew by uh, are there any final things that you would like to say or um any questions that you have for me no, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. And it's really cool to, again, connect with entrepreneurs like and another entrepreneur because it is, it's still a new, new thing for me and I'm learning too. So I really appreciate your time. And thanks to you, Bethany, for uh, spending your time and sharing 
awesome insights with us. Um, I've never really spoken to a voiceover actor, um, and and this is awesome. awesome. I'm so glad. <laughs>